going to talk about living blessed a little bit. How many know there's so many people that are walking around in this world in this day and time, and they're literally living their life looking for luck? You'll hear people make statements like, well, one of these days when my ship comes in, I don't know why we talk about ships when we're kind of a pretty far away, away from the ocean, but I understand what they're saying. Or you'll see people post something online, man, if I win the lotto, I'm going to do this. Or maybe even it's concerning a, their, their relationship life, and, and they talk about how they just hope that they're lucky enough to find their soulmate. I guarantee you, every single person will know exactly what I'm talking about. I want you to finish this sentence. If it wasn't for luck, yeah, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, right? We all well familiar with that. And so many times people, you know, you can, you can choose to live your life based on luck. But if you do that, you're, you're, what you're looking at is a life of hit and miss. Luck is fleeting. Luck can't be counted on. Luck gives us no guarantees. And in all honesty, I really don't believe in luck. But I do believe in blessing. Amen. Living blessed comes with guarantees. We talked about his goodness this morning. We felt his presence. There is something about being blessed. And the great thing about being blessed is you can have a bad day and still be blessed. So as I thought about that, I want every aspect of my life to be blessed. I want my health to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. I want the church to be blessed. I want each and every one of you to be blessed. I want my finances and the church finances to be blessed. And I especially want my eternity blessed. And so I think we're probably all on the same page there. But when I say blessed, I'm not just talking about the idea of addition of a few good things added to my life. How many know that multiplication is better than addition? Now, when you're in school and you jump from doing, you kind of get, you know, the, the addition and subtraction down and they start getting into multiplication and division, you know, it's kind of for a moment to grasp the concept. But I want, to, I want us to look at the idea of multiplication because God is a God of multiplication. God multiplied the oil and the meal during the time of a famine when there was a, a lady and her son and they had almost nothing. And Elijah shows up on the scene and asks for them to share what they had with him. And she agreed. She's like, well, we might as well because we've got, I've just got a little bit for one more, to bake one more little cake or one more little loaf and we were going to eat that and die. But yet God multiplied what she had again and again until it was enough to make it through the entire time. Later on when Elisha would follow Elijah Elijah, a similar thing happened. There was a, a lady who's, who couldn't pay her debts and her, her sons had been sold into slavery to try to pay debts and, and along come the situation and Elijah shows up on the scene and all she had to work with was a little bit of oil and, 
And God, and literally Elisha said, well, here, you just go collect all the pots and pans and every container you can. And God multiplied the oil to pay that debt. And then, of course, there's the story. If you spent any time in Sunday school, there was the little boy with the five loaves and two fish. That's what I call multiplication. That's the kind of God we serve. He can bless things. If we're willing to serve and obey and trust, he is a God of multiplication. He is a God of blessing. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to walk in. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned that many times we miss those multiplication moments because we're afraid to let go of the very thing God wants to multiply. Let that sink in for a moment. We want to clutch it tight. We want to hold it. We have trouble letting go. And so this morning, the thing that I want to get across to you is a very simple statement. Jesus doesn't multiply what we refuse to put in his hands. I'm going to say that again. Jesus does not multiply what we refuse to put in his hands. So let's look at this story a little bit. Luke chapter 9, verse 12 through 14. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away to go out to the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have... No more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. What a statement. There's the need and they're saying, okay, it's getting late. We need, we need to get these people dismissed. How many have ever been in one of those services that went long like that? And, you're, and you know, your stomach's growling and all that stuff. And, and we're not going to go there because we're not going to be long today. I'm just telling you. Amen. Well, I can't make any guarantees. We'll see. But, but the point being is that, that here's this situation, and, he, and, and they're saying, Lord, you got to do something about this. And he just simply says, you feed them. Now, this is, this is one of those stories that I always loved as a little kid. And, and we were, when I was teaching a Sunday school class or we've done children's ministries, man, I've done it in all kinds of ways. I've, I've gone by McDonald's and bought a, um, what they call it, the Mac Fish sandwich, whatever it is. And, and, and we've done it that way and, and various things. There's, there's various ways that you can look at this. But what we have here is we have a task where there definitely needed to be some multiplication because it says that there was 5,000 men. So you know there was more than 5,000 people there. And they had what amounted to five loaves and two fish. That's, that's a whole lot of need with a, just a little bit of resources. But after Jesus blessed the food and he began breaking it and handing it to his disciples, something incredible happened. 
But it all started because somebody was willing to share the little bit that they had that wasn't enough to meet the whole need. But yet once it was put in Jesus' hands and he blessed it, the miraculous happened. Now, we, we love that story, but I love sometimes taking Bible stories and really looking at what, it, what it happened. And, and maybe some of the things that weren't said, but that as you look, really analyze what began to happen, what were some of the things that had to have taken place during this particular event that we're talking about? Can you imagine... What someone like Peter, Peter was kind of the boisterous one. Can you imagine what somebody like Peter must have been thinking as there's this crowd and Jesus takes this little bit of lunch and he prays and he blesses it and he breaks it and he hands a piece to Peter and he hands a piece to the different ones and it's their job to go and distribute to this crowd. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Peter to take that one piece of broken bread and to turn and walk towards the first little group of 50 with nothing more than an appetizer for one in his hand? Because we have no indication, it does not say anything about Jesus standing there praying and blessing it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it until there was baskets after basket after basket. It says he broke it and handed it to the disciples. So Peter had to take what was blessed and walk up to that first group of 50 and begin to break it and distribute it among them. I want you to see something here. It wasn't multiplied in Jesus' hands. It was multiplied in his obedient disciples' hands after it was blessed by Jesus. You know the story. Everybody there had plenty to eat, and it was all finished and done, and they collected the leftovers. There was more than 12-fold times left over than what they started with. That's multiplication in any book. And God did that. It had been blessed, and they gave it away. And so somehow, Peter and them came up with the courage to do that. And they were obedient, and God blessed it. I want you to hear me this morning. We, too, have been called to do to, to do something, to, to declare, to, to minister to an impossible task, sharing the gospel to a world, to a group, to a crowd, to the multitudes, to literally share the bread of life. And it is so easy for us to look at the task as the church And look at what we have and say, what do I bring to the table? What resources has God given me? There is no way I've even got enough to make a difference. You're right. You don't have enough. I don't have enough. We don't have enough. But if we put it in his hands to bless it, he can multiply it till it becomes more than enough. 
And that's what I want us to get because so many times we look at the things that God calls us to do and we almost kick over into our own King James and say, what is this among all these? And we think that way. And we think, I just barely have enough for my lunch. So they're not my problem. The problem is Jesus said they are your problem. And so we've got something to do. So I guess the, the, the key is, do we have enough? Do we have enough faith? Do we have enough that we can trust Jesus? Do we say, you know what little bit I have, I will put in your hands, and I will allow you to bless it, and I will be faithful with what you tell me to do. Because there is something about when we take what God has given us, and we put it in his hands to bless, and then we begin to be obedient to what he tells us to do. Somehow, what we have is way more than we think. Because he blesses it. That's the way God's economy works. I'm going to put your mind at ease this morning because I know you're all wondering. Yes, I am going to talk about money today. Just want to make sure you were, we were clear on that. But money's not all of it. Time's a part of it. How many know it's important that we allow God to bless part of our time and we give part of our time to the kingdom? They were willing to give even people we love and family members to the kingdom. Because you know what? You may have a child or a grandchild that you love very much and you're attached to, and all of a sudden God calls them and says, I want you to go somewhere halfway around the world. We have to be willing to put them into Jesus' hand and let him bless what they're doing. What I'm talking about today has all kinds of ramifications all the way across the board. So as I thought about that, I thought there's two keys I want us to look at from this story today. And the first one is this. Blessing brings multiplication. I think what many Christians fail to understand is that before your resources can multiply, it must be blessed. We can't sit around waiting on that lucky someday. It has to be given to the Lord first. That means you have to let it go. You haven't seen one of them lately, but for a while there was those commercials that played with these people had these crazy things that they were holding on to and somebody would, would come on the scene and say, you need to let go. And there was this app that they could take a picture of it and, and let go and then somebody would show up and take that thing away from them. But how many know that as, as, as people, as believers, many times there's things that we want to hold on to that we need to be willing to let go of? There's a principle that I think that we all should get and understand. That's the principle of the first fruits. We give the first of what God blesses us with. And we refer to that as the tithe to the Lord. There's a principle that the rest is blessed. Maybe you don't believe me today, but it's all through Scripture. 
Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is the part that maybe some of you aren't going to care for too much. But there is something that happens when we give it to the Lord first and let him bless it. There is something about the first fruits. It's so important. Because when we do that, all of a sudden you're getting God involved in your finances. You're getting God involved in your time. You're getting God involved in your family. I didn't realize this, but my dad never told me this until I answered the call to go into the ministry. He pulled me aside one day and he said, from the time you were born, I prayed that God would call you to the ministry. When we, when we dedicated you as a child, we, we did that with the idea that we were giving our firstborn son to him to do with what he wished. But he never, ever, ever daddy called me. He waited for God to do that. But the thing is, even when it comes to tithing, I learned a long time ago, I would rather live on 90% that is blessed than 100% that is not. We're going to get a little more into that in just a little bit. But what... You know, what we said, Jesus doesn't multiply what we refuse to put into his hands. You know, you look at this story we're talking about today. It says that there was 5,000 men. But even if you just say, okay, let's say, for instance, that on average, each man at least brought a wife and one or two children, you're talking 15,000, 20,000 people like that. That's a lot of people to feed with five loaves and two fish. And what it talks about was all that was left over. I mean, what a, what a lesson, what a picture of, of, of um, multiplication. What an what a incredible thing for the crowd to see. And, and we know from Scripture and things that were said later on that the crowd remembered this. Matter of fact, this isn't the only time that Jesus multiplied to feed a crowd. There's two times in Scripture that it happened. And yet, to me, the most impactful part had to be for those apostles. As we talked about, the ones that literally took that fresh from the hands of Jesus and went and began to distribute it. Can you imagine being a part of that? Can you imagine seeing that? And when it's all said and done and everybody's had their fill and they're saying, no, thank you, no more, I'm full, and you still collect 12 baskets full? What an incredible thing. But we need to let him bless what we've been given by putting it in his hands so we can multiply it in ours. Second thing I want to talk about this morning is releasing activates multiplication. He is not going to hold on to what you're clutching. He's not going to bless what you're clutching so tightly and you refuse to let go of. He's not going to do it. See, the example that we're exploring here, the disciples had access to the bread and fish. 
it would have been so easy for them when they said, well, there's not enough food to people all this, but there's one boy here that's got a lunch that he's willing to share. And they could have looked at their little circle in Jesus, the little boy, said, well, at least there's enough for each of us to get, you know, a little, maybe a little bite or two of fish and, and a little bit of bread, a little something to tide us over. And they could have just had it right there among themselves. But guess what? It has still just been five loaves and two fish. But there was something that happened when it was released. You know, I've often thought when I get to heaven, I want, I want to find that that kid that shared his lunch and just talked to him because how cool was that I don't know what he thought was going to be accomplished I don't know what was going in his mind but how cool to say that looking at the need and saying well I don't have enough but I'll share what I brought what a powerful thing you know, think about it I mean, what if, what if we as Christians begin to grasp that concept? I'm going to get more into that just a little bit, but I, I, I'm going to get a little personal here. I was telling somebody recently that because I look around and I see people. Please understand my heart here this morning. I see people that I love and care about. And I see the battles they face in life again and again and again. And I want to tell them, this is a lesson that if you will learn it at an early age, it will bless you so much. Because I'm, a, in all honesty, what I'm telling you, we didn't always personally follow. I was raised in church. Kim was raised in church. We met in church. We got married in church. We served in church. Matter of fact, at the time, we were teaching children's church. Just volunteers, a little church about this size. And at the time, God blessed. We would stepped in that position and... And where I worked at, they had made the decision they were going to go to, to four 10-hour work days instead of five, which was perfect. That allowed me to get my work week done on Fridays when I was off. Kim still worked at the time, and, and, uh, and I would go into the church office and make sure everything was ready for Sunday. And then that way, when she was off on Saturday, we could have our time Saturday, and then we would be involved in stuff on, on Sundays. And this, but this one particular Friday, I was up at the church office, and the senior pastor, his name was William Sipes, big guy. He was, he was just one of those guys that did not need a microphone to preach. Huge teddy bear, but he could be a little direct, had that booming voice. And it just so happened to be the time of year like it is now where, where you're going through and the church office was preparing the, uh, the, the giving statements for the year to get them in the mail. And all of a sudden, I'm there and I'm getting stuff ready. And he, and he calls me into his office. And he hands me my giving statement. And he says, is this true? Is there some kind of mistake? I looked at it. 
I don't remember what the total was, but it was virtually zeros for the year. And he said, I'm really disappointed if this is true. He said, matter of fact, I wouldn't be letting you serve in leadership had I known this. Now, I could have done like most people and gotten offended and said, I'm going to another church. But I knew him well enough to know that it wasn't him being mean. That he was trying to teach me a principle. Because we were young. I mean, we were just mar- we were just married. We were living in a little one-bedroom apartment. We literally had a bed, a borrowed love seat, a little stand for a TV, and the TV I had in my bedroom as a kid. And that was it. We were just barely getting by. How many of you remember those days? I mean, barely getting by. And I had made the mistake that somehow thinking that because we had just this little bit that we couldn't possibly, that somehow that 10% seemed so huge that if we dared to commit that to the Lord, that our whole world was going to fall apart. But I left that meeting and went back home and had a conversation. And we decided, you know, we feel like God has called us to serve in this situation. Let me, let me make something clear. If you'd have asked me in that situation, even at that point in time, if I believed in the principle of tithing, I would have said yes. Do you believe that God blesses those dudes that? I would have said Yes. But in my circumstance, I didn't think he would do it for me. But we made the decision, and we stepped out. And we began to give that 10% thinking that our whole world was going to fall apart. Actually, it didn't. Matter of fact, our situation got better. And better. And better. All those times we looked at the bank account and what needed to happen and what the numbers that said were there didn't make sense. It didn't add up. We were always, it still it looked like two or three weeks from being in disaster, but somehow that two or three weeks always stayed two or three weeks out in front. Somehow every single week we had what we needed to do that week. And it was a principle that we grabbed a hold on, and we have not looked back since. I can't say that even today there aren't moments that something doesn't pop up. We're like... <laughs> Every single time it's met. And God is blessed and blessed and blessed. We discovered for fact that living on a 90% that is blessed is way better than living on a 100% that's not. Then we discovered something later. I'm really going to get in trouble now. We discovered 
that you can even kind of shift the gears on multiple. Now, this is not the reason we do it. Please understand, there has to be a heart issue here. We discovered that offering above and beyond the tithe almost shifts gears on the multiplication. We started giving to to missions and other circumstances and things. And, And since then, God is blessed and blessed and blessed. We're still not rolling in the dough, trust me. But man, the blessing of the Lord, the multiplication that takes place, the way he watches over us, is so amazing. See, let me say this. I don't, I don't want to get too careful. I hope everybody's understanding my heart this morning. I'm really not trying to get on people's case. I just want you to understand that this is a principle that we learned. And every time I look at a young couple or somebody that's struggling, I just want to say, if you could just get this principle. Because we tend to hold things. And if you would just, can you imagine? Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. I truly believe that one of the biggest tricks the enemy uses to hold the church and the gospel back is to get people so scared of putting things into Jesus' hand and letting him bless them that we all tend to hold on to what we have as opposed to truly opening up. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not out here this morning. I'm not trying to build my kingdom. I know. Trust me, I know. So many times somebody gets on this subject and people get all bent out of shape. Matter of fact, I know anytime, and for those of you that are guests or fairly new to the church, trust me, this is not something I preach on all, all, all the time because you hear people say all the time, all the church ever asks for is money. And anytime I ever preach this, somebody misunderstands the motivation behind what I'm saying. It's just part of it. But I want you to understand that just like the feeding of the five plus thousand, the 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, whatever it was, that if the church would get the concept, if us as believers would get the concept of letting loose of some things and putting it in Jesus' hands to bless, we would see this nation turned upside down. But the enemy gets us all so tight and so closed I want you to look at a passage of scripture with me here. Because if we could ever get this concept, we would see moments like the children of Israel saw in the wilderness. They were getting ready to build the tabernacle, a place to worship God out there in the wilderness. Now, I want you to understand, this is people that are slaves that left, and they're out in the wilderness Yes, they walked away with some plunder because of what God did, but their earning potential was not very good out in the wilderness. Don't you understand that, all right? They weren't opening new Costco's out in the desert. But they're getting ready to to build the tabernacle in Exodus 36.3. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary, and they still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. Just look at that. Free will and every morning. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. I just want you to look at the concept here, all right? The call was put out, 
And something special happened here, something just incredible. People got a hold of the vision, and people began to release what they had for God to bless. And God began to do things, and it began to happen. And all of a sudden, people got excited, and they began to bring, because this idea of actually having a place out in the wilderness to worship God as God had directed became this thing that gained momentum, and people began to bring, and something incredible happened. Matter of fact, if you look a few verses later, verse 6 and 7, it says, So Moses gave the command. And the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. I want you to listen to this word. This is so cool. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Can you picture... A pastor, any pastor, me standing up on a Sunday and saying, Stop! We don't know what to do with what we've already got. Stop! That's exactly what happened here. Something incredible happened. Closing this morning, I want us to look at one thing. If we can get just a little music in the background. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story of three stewards. I want you to understand something. We're all stewards of what God blesses us with. And it says this Jesus is talking, Jesus is telling this story. It's really kind of a parable. In verse 14 and 15, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and each according to his ability, and then he went away. Now you read in the story that the day came that the master came back. And he called the one that he'd given the five talents to. And there's so much here. I mean, there could be a whole message on that. I don't have time to get into all the details. Let me just say this. We, We tend to think of a talent as being just a little coin that he walked up and counted out five little coins to his hand. But if you look at the history, talents were a weight of precious metal. Many times... They literally molded a handle on it. Look it up. And so we're not talking something tiny. The master gave them the resources they needed to carry on his business while he was gone. So the day came. The day came that the master shows back up. And it's time to see what they've done with what he left them with. And the one with five, he shows up with a smile on his face. While you were gone, I took the five you gave me. I put it to work like you said. And I've got it multiplied. And I've got the five you gave me plus five more. 
to return. And he was greeted with, well done, good and faithful servant. Then the one with two comes and presents and says, you, you gave me these two while you were gone. And, and I took it and I multiplied it and I now I have two more that I can give you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then finally, the one with one. The one that probably, maybe he felt a little bit slighted in the first place, but he shouldn't have been because it says each given according to their ability. I know that God blesses us according to our ability to handle blessing. And I'm thinking of a hundred little jokes. I'm not going to go there. What, he, what did he do? It says in fear, he basically clutched what he was given. and was afraid to really do anything with it. He just kind of hid it. And when the master came back, he said, here, I'm going to give back to you what you gave me. Please understand, what was the response of the master? It's harsh. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. And don't get mad at me this morning. I'm just the message. This is a story Jesus told, okay? So if you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at him. But I want you to look at what Jesus, just before this, Jesus was talking about him going away. So as he's telling this parable, who is the master that was going away? Jesus. What is the event of the master's return? We know one day Jesus is going to return. What he's saying is, and there really is no other way to divide this or to discern what he's getting at is that when he does return basically there is going to be an accounting in a sense I left you with my business going and making disciples what did you do because I left you the resources to get it done what did you do It's going to be a sad moment. We have to say, "Well, I really didn't do anything. I, I was just, I was kind of scared to just kind of clutch the little bit you gave me." What I'm getting at here is that we've all got resources. We all have time. We all have loved ones. There's, there is something about we release. And we put it in his hands to bless. The principle of multiplication applies. We all, when we do that, we always end up with more than we released in return. 
It's a kingdom principle. It happens again and again and again, and yet so many times. Where, and still, I'll be honest, as much as I've practiced that in my own life, because trust me, I'm, I'm not going to stand up here and ask you to do anything that I don't practice myself. I still have moments that I feel compelled to give something, and I'm like, God, are you sure? Almost like he hasn't come through a thousand times before, but for some reason this is going to be the time he doesn't. There's something about that. Make no mistake what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and we're going to pray. These are pretty hardcore too. This is whole thing's been kind of hardcore. Malachi 3, 8, 9. Children of Israel are back and they've just been tending to their own personal things and they haven't really undertaken their building of the temple or everything like they were supposed to. Malachi throws it out there and says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. The NIV says, In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. That's hardcore. Notice that he didn't just say tithe. He basically said tithe then offering. But I love what he says. Verse 10 and 11. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. How many of you know that the devourer is alive and well? You get that paycheck and you look at it and say, hey, that's a pretty good paycheck. Then you sit down and begin to work through it and the devourer shows up. You're like, where did that go? But I love what he says here. Put me to the test. Trust me in this. And I will bless you. And I will rebuke the devourer. It's not my principle. It's his principle. His math is different. His math and my calculator or computer or whatever you use, they're not on the same page. always works out and truth is still truth Jesus doesn't multiply what we refuse to put in his hands I'm not taking an offering this morning we've already done that 
my whole heart is just for each and every one of us to grasp this concept and begin to live it out. Because I'm telling you, it will bring blessing to your life. Sure. If everybody does that, it'll help us get things done around here because let me tell you something. The church operates on the tithe that advances on the offering. But in all honesty, I hope I've earned enough trust that you believe me when I say this. I brought this today. Number one, because the Lord laid it on my heart. And number two, I want every single one of you blessed. The rest of it will take care of itself. Amen. Just be faithful. Put it in his hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your presence. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that they've struggled with this concept, Lord Jesus, that you will speak to them that you will stir their heart, Lord. You can be trusted. When we put something in your hands, Lord, and you bless it, Lord, it multiplies. It, it becomes useful. Great returns, Lord. Not only does it multiply as far as what we receive back, Lord, it multiplies the effectiveness of your kingdom. It multiplies what can be accomplished in your name. And so, Lord, I pray that you just help us all to become a people that trust you, Put you first, Lord, and a people of multiplied blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.